When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Holy Spirit, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophecy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even upon my slaves both men and women in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophecy and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and smoky mist 
The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, people of God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's a promise from God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's what this is, says Peter. We're not drunk. They have been partying, though. You know, this is one of the three major Jewish pilgrimage festivals. It's the festival of Pentecost. That's why Jews of every nation under heaven have gathered together in Jerusalem. Pentecost is the celebration commemorating the anniversary of the day that God gave Moses the Torah, or the law, at Mount Sinai. They think it happened 49 days right after Passover, after God had liberated all of the Israelites from Egypt. It's a huge celebration. There most certainly would have been drinking, but not at 9 o'clock in the morning. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is the promise of God fulfilled, says Peter. Peter's come a long way, hadn't he? I mean, you know, not so long ago, just a few weeks ago, Peter was so terrified of being in any way, shape, or form connected to Jesus that he denied knowing him. Not once, but three times. Right when Jesus needed him most. The night before he was executed. And now, Peter is proclaiming Jesus, very publicly, I might add, as the risen Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of Israel. Now, granted, a lot has happened since that tragic night. Most notably, Jesus was resurrected. I mean, he was raised from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. He walked with them. He talked with them, cooked fish for them, broke bread with them. He even forgave Peter for his betrayal. And he told them before he ascended, that the Holy Spirit would come. Wait in Jerusalem, Jesus said. Wait, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Soon. Ever since Peter and the other disciples, along with certain women, including Jesus' mother Mary and some of his brothers, all together, Scripture says, there were about 120 who gathered together in Jerusalem and waited and prayed. They devoted themselves to prayer, Scripture says. I wonder if they were praying that Holy Spirit prayer. You know the one I'm talking about? We just prayed it during the Scripture reading. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. Barbara Brown Taylor is an Episcopalian priest and very respected theologian and preacher. She says that is the most dangerous prayer you can pray. I probably should have mentioned that before we prayed it. (laughs) If you don't want anything to change in your life, then for heaven's sake, do not pray that prayer. But, she speculates, if you're the type of person who likes to stand out on the front porch as a thunderstorm is rolling in, then you may be a good candidate for the Holy Spirit prayer. My dad taught me to love a good thunderstorm. I love to feel the power of the wind, to feel and hear the crack of the thunder, to watch the lightning splinter the sky. It can be terrifying, but it's also exhilarating. I pray the Holy Spirit prayer. I pray it mostly when I'm feeling lost, when I feel like I need guidance or direction from God, when I need wisdom. And especially I pray this prayer when I need courage, which I most often need after I've prayed for God's guidance because God often leads us into uncomfortable places, right? I bet they were praying the Holy Spirit prayer. I mean, just look what happened. Suddenly, the sound of a violent wind from heaven swept through the house. Flames like tongues rested on the tops of all their heads, and they began to speak in other languages, which was particularly perplexing to all the people who were gathering outside the house as they began to notice what was going on. When they could suddenly hear in their own language, they were absolutely stunned. More than one of them said, hey, wait a minute, aren't all these people who are speaking all these languages Galileans? It seems that people from Galilee were notorious for their lack of linguistic talent. They were not good with languages. My children would be as incredulous if I suddenly could sing. (laughs) Clearly, this is an act of God. There is no other possible explanation. Filled with the thunderous, flaming, sweeping power of the Spirit, these 120 miraculously speak in languages that are not their own, but they are languages that allow all those who hear them to understand in their own mother tongues. And what they're preaching about, what they're proclaiming, are the miraculous deeds of God's power in their lives. The miraculous power of God's spirit as it has moved through and begun to form this new community. And the power of their witness was so great that by the end of that day, more than 3,000 had come to believe. 3,000 people so inspired, so captured by what they heard. They were convicted and came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the risen one, the Savior. That's why Pentecost is referred to as the birthday of the church, because on that day, when those people who believed in Jesus as the Messiah grew from 120 to more than 3,000, the church was born. They must have been praying the Holy Spirit prayer. I prayed this prayer a lot 
in the days leading up to and during and especially following the special session of general conference that occurred this past February. And I think a lot of people were. I mean, look what's happened, especially after, since the traditional plan was voted in. Something like a violent wind has swept through the whole house, the whole United Methodist Church. And Methodist members and pastors and bishops and churches and annual conferences all across the United States have begun to speak in different tongues. They've begun to resist in a variety of ways. Some have published statements condemning and apologizing for the actions of General Conference. Some have acted in defiance of the plan. Many more churches and pastors have made public statements of inclusion. In April, we became a reconciling church. And at annual conference, we were awarded, will you put up that slide, Anna? Our church was awarded um, the uh, Community Achievement Award at the MFSA luncheon. Churches have made the decision to host weddings and pastors have made the decision to begin to marry same-sex couples. Bishops and annual conferences have ordained open and practicing gay clergy candidates, including here in Texas. Right now, all across the country, we're in the middle of annual conference season and annual conferences as they elect their delegates for the upcoming general conference that will meet in 2020, Delegations are being flipped. More and more elected delegates are those who oppose the traditional plan. Our conference, the Rio Texas Conference, just this last week, I got home yesterday, elected our delegates, and only two out of the 16 seated delegates that we elected are in favor of the traditional plan. In many different languages, we are speaking out against the actions of General Conference 2019. In languages that hopefully all, whatever language they speak, whether they are inside the United Methodist Church, outside the United Methodist Church, those that are living in and around our churches, those who are watching what's happening on the news, those who are churched, unchurched, and especially our LGBTQ community, hopefully they are hearing in their own native tongue and are understanding that many, most United Methodists in the United States will not affirm further discrimination against or exclusion of the LGBTQ community. I think the church is being born again at least the United Methodist Church. Bishop Karen Oliveto is the first openly lesbian bishop elected by the United Methodist Church. She was elected and consecrated in July of 2016. She serves in the Western Jurisdictional Conference. She spoke um, this past Friday at the annual Methodist Federation for Social Action Banquet. That's where we won that award. And she said, 
If we did not see the death of the United Methodist Church on February 26, 2019, then it is surely on life support. Several Rio, Texas General Conference delegates who served at the February General Conference uh, shared some of their reflections from General Conference. Reverend Abel Vega prefaced his thoughts by quoting Isaiah 43:19, which says, Look, I am doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. Reverend Laura Merrill, she's the assistant to the bishop and also served at the last general conference. She began by asking, what will become of us? What we see today as the UMC is not what we will soon become. She thinks of these times as being the birth pangs that are laboring to bring forth or birth whatever new shape or form we will become, noting that it is painful and it can be hard. In his opening address, Bishop Schnazy said that in almost every group he's been a part of since General Conference 2019, people have expressed a sense that something some part of the church is dying. But also, he said, that some parts are giving birth. And there have been lots of discussions around the United Methodist Church about what exactly the Holy Spirit might be birthing. Most notably, two large gatherings have occurred. One organizing group is called UM Forward. They state as part of their preamble, which you can find on their website, today we rejoice because the spirit of resurrection is upon us as we anticipate Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is moving, illumining our hearts and revealing a new expression of Methodism. It is to this fresh, dynamic expression that we are called. We must do ourselves, we must do ourselves what neither the Judicial Council nor Council of Bishops nor any part of the institution would do. We declare the full liberation of people of color, queer, and transgender Christians as the only way forward. Another major movement that's growing is called UMC Next. That is the gathering that is led in part by Reverend Adam Hamilton from the Church of the Resurrection, who we're all familiar with. After their most recent and largest gathering, which included 10 representatives from every annual conference in the United States, the group agreed upon four principles, which are, one, they are passionate followers of Jesus Christ in the Wesleyan tradition. Two, they are committed to their baptismal vows to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Three, they reject the traditional plan as inconsistent with Wesleyan tradition and theology and will resist its implementation. And four, they intend to create a church, either by reform from within the UMC or by developing a new Methodism, that will include all people without exception. Our bishop said in his opening address this past week that he wants to be the kind of bishop who leads an annual conference that is living into the spirit of the One Church Plan. I think a lot of people have been praying the Holy Spirit prayer 
I mean, look what it has unleashed. It's hard in many ways and painful. Y'all, when I was giving birth to Zay, I was in labor for 42 hours. It can take time. And it can be terrifying and disorienting and exhilarating. We may feel as though our heads have caught fire in the midst of all of this. When the spirit catches hold of us, we may feel like we're dying. And I believe that the church is being born again as it has been reborn many times before throughout history by the power of the Holy Spirit, which many of us continue to pray. As the Holy Spirit sweeps through our hearts and minds, as it sweeps through our church, stirs us up, disrupts us, resurrects us to new life, a new way of being, a new expression of Methodism that truly celebrates the promise of God who says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, pour down on us your wisdom and your grace and most especially your courage. God, we have received so very generously from you your grace, your love, your provision in all things. As we return to you this morning in our offering, we ask that you would inspire us to give generously and freely trusting fully and solely in you as you change us, as you change this church, and through us as you change the world. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.